This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, 16th day of September 2022. Thanks for spending some time with us this morning. It's going to be a football-heavy Sports Country Radio, as you might expect, with uh, the Thursday night uh, debut of uh, Amazon Prime, Al Michaels in the booth last night uh, with Kirk Herbstreet. I, I have to tell you, it was great seeing Al. Uh, and I actually thought that, you know, I mean, he's worked for so long with Chris Collinsworth, and uh, but I thought he and Kirk Herbstreet did a pretty good job in the game last night. Uh, you know, there was some a uh, couple of moments maybe of talking over each other a little bit just as they try to get their rhythm, but I thought they were pretty good. Um you know, and uh, frankly, you know, there's not uh, there's nowhere to go but up because Chris Collinsworth, in my opinion, is not uh, is not real great uh, on uh, Sunday Night Football. Working with Mike Tirico now, I was never a big fan of his anyway. Um, but uh, it was uh, I, it was great to see Al. I thought he did a great job last night. So uh, anyway, we're going to talk to Dan Zampano about that um, coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, we're trying to get uh, Facebook Live going. Uh, it's uh, we've had some issues this morning with our uh, our beautiful internet down here in Hayesville, North Carolina. We as we still wait to get high speed internet sometime, hopefully before I die. But uh, <laughs> I'm not I'm not counting on that. But we'll see. Uh, anyway, uh, hopefully uh, we'll uh, we'll get Facebook Live up here in a minute and uh, and we'll be good to go. But uh, anyway, Dan Zampano is going to join us in a few minutes to talk about that. We'll talk about all the last week's games. Man, I'll tell you what, uh, what a great first week. For the NFL. I mean, seriously, can you ask for a better first week than what the NFL had? So many games that went down to the wire. We had overtime games. Uh, there was a lot of drama, and um, it, it lived up to the hype in week number one. So I'm sure uh, Roger Goodell uh, was very pleased with week one. Uh, but we'll talk to Dan about all that coming up in a few minutes. Uh, a couple of things uh, baseball-wise before we uh, we take a break and, and get to Dan. Um Nice tribute last night, and now Kevin Cash will tell you this wasn't planned. Uh, I'm not buying it, but he'll tell you it wasn't planned. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays and the uh, Tampa Bay Rays faced off last night, and the Tampa Bay Rays started nine Latin players in the game last night. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, first time that's ever happened, and they did it on Roberto Clemente Day. Now Clemente, of course, was Puerto Rican. There were there were no Puerto Ricans uh, in the uh, uh, in that Latin lineup. They were from Colombia, Cuba, Mexico, Venezuela, and the Dominican Republic. But regardless, it was still you know nine Latin players starting the game for the Rays. It was kind of cool. They beat the crap out of the Toronto Blue Jays, eleven to nothing. Um, 
but uh, just a just kind of a neat thing. Kevin Cash as well. You know, we were facing Kevin Gausman, so you know, it just kind of turned out that way. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. Um, it tightened up the wild card race. What a you know, again, I wasn't. And I'm still not a huge fan of the fact that Major League Baseball increased the number of teams in the playoffs. But when you look at it and you have Seattle, Toronto, and Tampa Bay all within a half a game of each other, and it looks like they're going to be the three wildcard teams. The Orioles are still technically alive. They are four and a half back. Uh, Chicago, I guess, is on life support, but you know uh, they would need a small miracle to get in. Um, but, uh, these three teams, I mean, you just throw them in a hat and, uh, depending on the day, uh, you know, who knows? So not a, not a bad, again, you know, if Roger Goodell was happy with week one in the NFL, if you are, uh, major league baseball, you are happy with the way the whole wild card thing is shaken out because, uh, in the, uh, the American league, it's, it's three teams really vying for it. Same thing going in the national league. You've got. Right now, the National League uh, teams would be Atlanta, Philly, and San Diego, but you have the Milwaukee Brewers just a game and a half behind. So it's just a, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, the Rays are going to take on Texas this weekend starting tonight. Corey Kluber will get the start. Uh, you would think advantage Rays there. Uh, Toronto is trying to stay alive. They've got a series this weekend with Baltimore. So, look, if Baltimore is going to have a chance and – they're four and a half back, but they've got a team that's right in front of them for three games this weekend. They sweep that series. All of a sudden, things are going to get very, very interesting. Uh, the Mets won last night. They beat the Pittsburgh Pirates 7-1. to one. Um, They have a one-game lead now over the Atlanta Braves in the National League East. But what's significant here with the Mets is what a train wreck they've been. They are in a stretch where they are playing 16 games against the bottom feeders against the Washington Nationals, Pittsburgh Pirates, the Miami Marlins, and the Chicago Cubs, all teams that stink. They've played 13 games against those 16 teams so far. They're 6-7. and seven. This is a team that's supposed to be, you know, that, that went out and kind of whacked around the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers a little bit, and yet they are having trouble beating the bottom feeders. So that's uh, that's a bit of an issue if you're a Mets fan. It's uh, The pucker factor has, has certainly gone up. Uh, as far as that goes, they've got three games against the Pirates this weekend. They need to win them all because Atlanta is not going away. Mets are 90-55, and 55, but uh, they are playing 500 ball over their last 16 games, and that's not the way you want to go into the playoffs. So uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on that as well. Uh, other big news in sports yesterday, of course, Roger Federer has announced his retirement at the age of 41. He's going to play in a... Uh, a tournament coming up in London, the Lever uh, uh, Invitational, uh, which is something, by the way, that's run by his management company. So it's not a it's not a big event, but uh, that's going to be his swan song as far as uh, his career goes at 41, 20 Grand Slams. A uh, guy who you know, look, some great rivalries with uh, Nadal and Djokovic. Uh, he finished five years ranked as number one, so he goes out on the men's side. Serena Williams, who's recently retired on the women's side, and uh, the beginning of the changing of the guard uh, in professional tennis uh, coming up. Uh, the other news that we didn't get to, and, and we're not going to talk about it today. We'll get to it another time. But uh, the Phoenix Sun owner, uh, Robert Sarver, has been given a one-year suspension. He's lucky he wasn't. Uh... Now, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, says he can't force him to sell the team. 
this is a guy that uh, look he's in the NBA he's an owner uh with a team that is 90% black the NBA is you know by I don't know 75 80 85% black players and this is a guy that uses the n word and yet somehow he escapes uh, just getting a one-year suspension, he needs to consider himself lucky. But it's not good when the chairman of the board of your uh, your team saying, "Hey, he needs to he needs to sell a team," and that that he has no interest in being the managing partner uh, while uh, uh, the owner is uh, 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 suspended. Uh, th- this is not going to go away. And when you've got LeBron James speaking up with the NBA and saying, "Hey, the NBA dropped the ball on this one," that's not a good look. Not a good look at all. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us to talk about that uh, very, very entertaining game last night. We'll talk about some of last week. We'll talk about what's coming up this week. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 16 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by Dan Zampano, the host of the Sunday Card Dan, I was just saying, um, if you're Roger Goodell, man, can you be any happier with the way week one went uh, in your league with all the, the, the fantastic finishes? And uh, I mean, that was just uh, if, if you weren't an NFL fan, I'll tell you what, even my wife, who's not an NFL fan, she's not a football fan, but even she was watching as I'm flipping around all the games last week going, man, I mean, every game seemed to go down to the wire last week. You know, when in the off season, when, you know, it's easy to take shots at the league and, you know, how it's all going to go away in 10 years because of health concerns and this, that, and the other. Um, and then it comes back in week one, just everybody forgets about all those things and, 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 and they watch and it's unbelievable. I mean, you've got teams garnering 18, 20 million viewers on week one, I mean, what other, what other sports program, what other television program is able to do that? It's, it's there's second to none. I mean, it's unbelievable how great this league is, and it's why I think it's the best sport in the world. So, um, yeah, great week for the NFL. Um, college football, too, has been fantastic with upsets. I mean, the whole sport is doing quite well. I gotta, wait a minute. Before we get to the pros, you brought up college sports. i got to ask you a question. UConn's going to play Michigan this week. UConn's getting $1.8 million to go play Michigan this week. My question to you is this. Will UConn score? Yeah, that's a great question. (laughs) Well, I mean, I would say say, um, we have a better chance of having their quarterback play on the moon. That's what I would say. That's about what I figured too, but I I had to ask. All right, let's uh, l- before we get to last week's games, we w- let's get what's fresh in everybody's mind, and that's the game that happened last night. And again, uh, an unlikely hero in this one, I guess, Jalen Watson, a seventh round draft pick who's probably only playing in the game because of an injury, ends up with a pick six, goes ninety nine yards the other way. And Kansas City, who might have been in trouble because they were on, you know, they were in the red zone and it looked like the Chargers were going to score to go ahead. They might have been on the ropes and Jalen Watson saved their bacon yesterday. No question. No question. I thought that that was obviously the play of the game going 99 yards the other way. Um, You know, to me, I thought the Chargers outplayed the Chiefs for most of that game. Yeah, I really did. I thought the Chiefs made some plays late 
to, to get back in it. But it seemed like uh, Los Angeles was going to go in and, and go and win the game and, and ultimately be the only undefeated team in the AFC West. And just like that, and that's the beauty of the league, it, is, it can flip on a dime. And Watson made a great read. There's a lot of speculation today about Gerald Everett and whether he was actually trying on that play because he was calling for a sub right, right. before that he was play. Gassed, yeah. And they were going tempo. So he was gassed. Um, lots of things went wrong. But listen, I mean, the Chiefs played, the Chiefs got a huge play. Um, I credit Justin Herbert last night, though, for showing incredible. Incredible, incredible toughness. I'm sure we were going to get to it. Yeah. But um, for him to suffer that rib injury and throw a, a pick six like that, that was so important to the game. I think people forget that coming back from that and just going out on the play on the third down play where he couldn't even throw it two yards. It looked like he was needed to be off the field. Right. And on a fourth and one, just throws one of the most ridiculous passes. To, with, with no sight line of his receiver and puts it perfectly into place and, and gets it down inside the five to give the Chargers a chance to at least get an onside kick after that touchdown. So unbelievable toughness from that kid. Uh, that's what I walked away from. But you're right, the Chiefs definitely escaped last night. Well, you have to hope that uh, Herbert's ribs aren't broken, but I will be surprised if they're not. Uh, the, the amount of pain that he was in, I... I mean, I've had broken ribs, and I can't even walk, let alone play football with a broken ribs. I can't even imagine. But I, I, I hope he's okay because that's not what the NFL needs is to have him out. I mean, you've already got Dak Prescott now for the, the Dallas Cowboys is going to be out for a while. Uh, what J.J. Uh, uh, Watt gets hurt the first week, another big name that's going to be out. Uh, the, 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 the Seattle Seahawks suffer a big injury. I mean, it's just like, you know, week one. Now at the start of week two, there's some big names that uh, kind of are showing up uh, like might be missing significant time here. And I hope Herbert's not one of them because if the Chargers are going to have any hope in that division, they have to have him. No question. And I think obviously, you know, the league does not want to see the quarterbacks get get taken out. I mean, Dak, that's all obviously all anybody could ever talk about. But now Herbert... Herbert really is, and in my mind, I mean, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. I yep. really believe that. Um, he, he, he's just absolutely otherworldly. But, you know, that would be a huge blow. But you're right, guys like Jamal Adams, guys like T.J. Watt is a monster blow to the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So that, that's going to be really, really tough. You hate to see it, but it is unfortunately part of the game, as you know. I, I think I call them. I think I call them JJ Watt, but yes, TJ Watt. Uh, but you know, um, <laughs> look, you know, the other part about that game last night that really uh, I, I had to. You got to give the Chargers a lot of credit. You got to give the fact that they were without their number one receiver, so they needed somebody else to step up. And Mike Williams was in that first half. Mike Williams was everywhere. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, some of the, the, the criticism down the end, you know, on that pick six, look, guys were probably playing more snaps than they would have otherwise, simply because of the injury, you know, to, to the receiving core. So maybe that, that played into it, but I thought Williams was unbelievable in the first half yesterday. I, I think Williams is their number one now. Do you really? I, yeah. I really do. I, I, oh yeah. I, I, he is criminally underrated. <laughs> criminally Keenan Allen is incredible he has some of the best feet in all of football that's what makes him so good but the uh, Mike Williams explosive plays from Mike Williams 
he that's what he provides. I mean, that one-handed catch in the end zone was ridiculous. Yep. Yep. People really need to start paying attention to Mike Williams as being a guy that can not only stretch the field, but is just a big guy that can that can catch possession balls. He did that a couple times last night where he just caught him in traffic where you just throw him. And that's the difference between some of the young quarterbacks, you know, and some of these um, and and the young quarterbacks that maybe might be a little skittish to throw that into a tight window. And Herbert, his arm is so strong that he's able to, you know, kind of get away with some of those throws where he's putting it through the eye of a needle. I mean, he really is. Right. So I really, really enjoyed watching that chemistry. I don't know how people. I mean, it's, it's he kills he kills the Chiefs every single time, Mike Williams. So uh, credit to him, man. He is a beast, and we got to start putting some more respect on his name. All right, let's get to some of last week's games, and um, we're going to talk about another injury. And you know, I think perhaps the most overlooked position in the NFL, without question, has to be the long snapper, right? Well, we found out <laughs> just how important a long snapper is last week in that Cincinnati Bengals game. When they miss an extra point, they miss a field goal because they have to put in a backup tight end as the long snapper because Clark Harris left the game with a bicep injury. Again, you don't ever think about that position, but all of a sudden that snap's not coming back with the same force that your normal long snapper does. It throws off everybody's timings. You miss an extra point, you miss a field goal, and the Cincinnati Bengals lost the game because their long snapper got hurt. The third phase of the game. It's the most important one. It's we, unreal. I think last year I'm pretty. Last year I pretty much uh, won a free dinner from you because the Packers didn't know how to do it in the playoffs. So <laughs> yes. that was, uh, you know, I, I listen. When your long snapper is out, what are you going to do? I mean, I didn't even know. I think the guy was in high school last time he did it. He yep. was chucking balloons out there. I yeah. mean, it was ridiculous. So and and you know, he had a high. He had a high snap. That the, that the holder had to get down. He couldn't get the laces out. Yep. Um, you know, I, I, there, it was crazy. The end of that game was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but the Steelers, it was, a, it was a classic rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot, you know. I mean, that was just this rally the troops. I mean, for the Bengals, I mean, you, you, gotta, you, you can't play worse in the first half than the right. way the Bengals played. I mean, they just all the turnovers, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, same song and dance, just getting absolutely pummeled from his offensive line that was supposedly, you know, supposed to be fixed this offseason. Right. Um, didn't look like it for me. And, you know, obviously with a guy like Watt on the other end getting what he gets, it was very difficult. So uh, Bengals, like we said, I think they might have some, some slight regression this year. Uh, being a Super Bowl loser, they're going to be hyped up, and I think people are coming for blood. But that was a classic spot for the Steelers to come and rally in um, into Cincinnati and win a football game. Well, yeah, because and but you know, and you got to get the the Steelers' offense is underwhelming. All right, let's just put it. Let's be fair. Um, to but, save always. Yeah, but their defense. I mean, look, seven sacks, four picks. I mean, they were. You know, they won the defense won that game for them without question. And again, as you said, you have to start worrying if you're a Bengal fan. You can't get Joe Burrow sacked seven times every week and expect this guy to last the season. You know, and and <laughs> you know, you know, Gene, you know, Gene. Something about Week One is this: How many teams won their game with offense? I mean, I, yeah. I felt like every yeah. game was really won by the defensive play. Uh, case in point, we can go to Miami. They won that game with defense. Right. Tampa Bay won their game with defense. Baltimore, even against the Jets, won their game with defense. There were so many games. 
Um, Seattle, I mean, getting plays in the red zone. I mean, that was an unbelievable game with ridiculous coaching decisions. But I feel like defense, you know, people are really forgetting about it. Maybe outside of the Chiefs last week, beating up on the Cardinals and putting up 44 points, I felt like most games were decided by either bad coaching decisions or defensive efforts. That's what it is, and people forget that. And we talk about the quarterbacks all the time. Don't sleep on my defenses. Well, that's fair. Uh, Another case in point, what the Minnesota Vikings did last week with the Mm -hmm. Green Bay Packers. And, look, I I am not going to go crazy here. We have seen Aaron Rodgers – start the season slowly before. We have seen him not be very good in week one, two, three. I'm not ready to, to lose my mind over that yet, but there was clearly some, uh, some timing issues. There were clearly some communication issues with his receivers. But you have to, you have to tip your hat to what the Minnesota Vikings defense did last week. No question. I thought Ed Donatel, new D.C., had a great game plan for him. Um, they, they, they really allowed – they gave up the running yards. They, they said, okay, you know, we're going to have to give something up. We don't think these receivers can beat us. Right. And we think our offense is going to really shine. And obviously they were right. Now, I'm going to do something that most people never do. I'm going to give Aaron Rodgers some credit for a press conference. That's what I'm going to do. Okay. Because he, <laughs> he went after the game. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. I, I, after the game, he said, look, we are, it is going to be coming along over the season that we're going to have to you know, get these guys still up to speed. We have all young guys. The Packers were also missing Alan Lazard. They were missing their two best offensive linemen. Um, that was a big factor in the game, obviously. And then on the other side, you know, I mean, my God, I mean, isn't Justin Jefferson worth all the riches in Scotland? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous yep. what that guy can do. He's unbelievable. So, um, you know, I, and, and really most of their stuff came in the first half. So, listen, I think the Packers will, again, like you said, they got beat 38-3 to by the Saints, who didn't even make the playoffs last year, last right. year in week one. So, I'm not too concerned. I am interested to see if the Vikings can bounce back this week and play a really good Eagles team on a Monday night and what they do in prime time, because we all know how Kirk is in prime time. So we'll see exactly how they do this week. Well, and I'll give you credit. You did pick this one last week. You said that the, the Vikings were going to win this game. Um, and, and you mentioned Kirk Cousins. Look, uh, Kirk Cousins is a guy that, you know, I remember at one time, you know, I remember you, you thought Kirk Cousins was underrated and, you know, wasn't given enough credit. But he has been uh, spotty. I guess, over the last couple of years, I guess is a good way to put it. But I thought he was very good last week. He controlled the game and took care of the football, which to me was the most important thing. If you Look, he only, he only got sacked once, and he didn't turn the ball over. And, and you know what? If you're the Vikings, you'll take that. If you can get that every week out of Kirk Cousins, you'll take it. I think Kirk Cousins is criticized for not winning big games. It's not necessarily – I mean, statistically, he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. Right. Statistically. But when you don't win those big games and then those big moments, that's something that Herbert's going to have to overcome. He doesn't want to turn into that. If you don't win those big games, people are not going to give you credit for your stats. Right. You know what I mean? That's, so That's fair. Uh, I am I, – I am, I, I, they need to go to the playoffs. They need to win a game or two. He's only got one playoff win his whole career. So they, they really need to step up and – you know, weather the storm this week, this year, and it would be a great start if they could win the division. That would be fantastic, but that's a long way away. 
All right, let's talk about, in my mind, the putrid game of the week. This game, and I, I watched more of it than I wanted to simply because I was curious, and that was the Bears and the 49ers. And the quarterback play on both <laughs> sides of the football was just brutal to watch. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and look, I, I, you know, you're already reading stuff. And I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Sean Payton on some – some talk show this week or podcast or something is already predicting that Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starting quarterback for the 49ers by week six. Oh my. <laughs> I said it was Sean I mean, Payton. It was, that, it was Sean that, Payton that, that said something. it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've also heard guys, not just Sean Payton, but you know, guys like Mike Martz coming out and saying, look, these two quarterbacks are just not, especially Trey Lance are just not capable right now of leading an NFL team um, based on what you're seeing on tape. He's skittish in the pocket. He's like a baby giraffe out there. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a one-trick, one-read pony. Yeah, That's what he is, a one-trick, one-read pony. Um, you know, so you're seeing a lot of guys like that, and, and Fields is the same way. I mean, you know, they have to come up with these gadget plays and these trick plays to get any, get anything down the field. Right. You know, and, and they have to, you know, it takes a rainstorm for them to win the games. So, you know, to me, <laughs> um, look, credit the Bears defense. Right. Credit the Bears defense. They played great. That kid, Joquan Brisker, number nine, that's safety out of Penn State. He's a rookie. Yep. He's going to be special. I really liked what I saw out of him. Um, look, the Bears are going to play tough defense. There's no question. But I just do not see them being able to put up enough points to be able to hang in most games. So this was a big win for them, obviously, getting it at home. But we're going to see, you know, how the Bears go forward. The 49ers really need to fix a lot of issues with Trey Lance. I don't know what it is. Are they going to run the ball 40 times a game? We shall see. We shall see. They have to be a lot more creative in what they do. Um, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned, uh, you know, being like the one-read guy. One of the things I love when I was watching last night's game, and, and they, they highlighted it on the broadcast, and I give him credit for that, but watching Justin Herbert at quarterback and watching the way he reads the field, he, I mean, he looks at everyone. You don't ever, with the exception of the one pass that he threw uh, late in the game when he was hurt and he was just trying to get rid of the ball, trying to squeeze one in, he really does a great job of looking at everybody um, and, and picking out the guy, going through the progression and, and not, you know, settling on one guy. You know, that's I that's that I just I didn't think about that until you just said you know about uh, you know being a one read guy. But I think that that's one of the big things that Herbert does. That's that's probably I don't want to say it's unique because you're supposed to do that. But a lot of guys don't have the ability uh, to do it. I think the way that Herbert does. Well, it's hard because I mean, th- th- think about it. Herbert got pounded last night into the ground. Yeah. Joe Burrow gets pounded into the ground every single week. <laughs> yeah. Even Patrick Mahomes last night. I mean, yeah. if you look at him, I mean, he he had a he had a very nice couple of plays where he's reading off, reading off, reading off, and yep. then coming down to the checkdown or you know getting out of pocket and making a play. Like that's what the good quarterbacks do. They're able to get off their first go to their second, third, fourth, and find what they need. I mean, and, and to do that while constantly getting hit is even more difficult. So I give credit to those quarterbacks uh, in a lot of ways more than I do with quarterbacks with great offensive lines. If you can do it with a bad offensive line, God bless you a lot. Well, uh, let's go. How about this finish last week? How about the New Orleans Saints 
are down 26-10 to 10 <laughs> to the Atlanta Falcons in the fourth quarter. Starting the fourth quarter, you are down. Actually, what, what about three minutes into the fourth quarter, you're down by 16, and they come back and win this game. And Jameis Winston, I'll tell you what, you remember, Dan, last year before he got hurt, he looked like a different quarterback than the guy that we saw in Tampa Bay. And you know what? Again last week, he doesn't throw a pick. He does a good job of taking care of the football, and he makes a couple of pretty nice passes late in that game, and they end up winning this game. Jameis Winston, you know, I don't know whether it was the system in Tampa, you know, that, that you know, I mean, look, they weren't that good back then, so he was trying to do everything by himself. Maybe you see him with a decent team. Maybe this is the real Jameis Winston. We'll see. I mean, I'm not going to hold my breath, but you're I, not I a think believer. If he stays healthy, I'm not. I'm just, you know, I mean, in Tampa, he had good. He had, you know, one good year, right? And and threw for five thousand yards, and 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 that is a very loose term of good because in that same year it was the thirty for thirty year, right? So, you know, <laughs> I, it, it was it was very difficult to say it's a good year, but you know, I, I need to see him stay healthy, play consistent football for seventeen games. That, that's what I need to see out of Jameis Winston. Credit them, all those the, the, the three or four people on the planet that had that Falcons money line ticket. Uh, it was very much heartbreak city, uh, being up by 16 in the fourth quarter. But that's the Falcons. You know that they're probably going to do that. Although I was I was honestly more impressed with Mariota than I was than I was with Winston. I mean, he looked. Winston made some nice plays. Jarvis Landry got open. Uh, deep down the field, Michael Thomas. I mean, welcome back. Talk about a resurgence. Right. I mean, he looks back, ready to go. You know, but uh, but yeah, I I I I don't know how I feel yet about. I I think as I said before with the Saints, they are going to be a roller coaster ride this year. They are going to be a win one week, lose the next type of team, and maybe that gets them in the playoffs. Maybe it doesn't. We'll see. Well, you know, and it's interesting. I was going to bring up Marcus Mariota. I mean, you look at his numbers last week and, what, 215 yards passing, what, 72 yards on the ground. He looked like the University of Oregon, Marcus Mariota, didn't he? I mean, they got 400 yards of offense. Yeah, game. I know. I mean, you know, I, and, and I mean, they found a way to lose the game, of course. But, you know, I mean, yep. at the end of the day, that's what's most important. But they got 416 yards and, of offense. And that's a pretty on, good thing. Saint- Saints defense right. that's really good. Yes, yes. So, you know, to me, I, I was impressed. And I think the Falcons, you know, they may not win a lot of games, but they're going to be in a lot of the games. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, well, that. but again, you know, that, that's just another one of those things where – I had that one, you know, I thought that was all over about the shouting and then, uh, and then, but uh, a great finish to that one. Uh, we did not have a great finish uh, in the, uh, the, the Buccaneers Cowboys game. And I don't know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, look, the, the Bucks win the game. Uh, Tom Brady was not great. He looked 45 in my opinion, um, you know, mm-hmm. but they won the game 19 to three. I don't know how much the injury, uh, to Dak Prescott made a difference because he stunk before he got hurt. So, you know, uh, Zeke Elliott, um, you know, only carries the ball 10 times. He averages five yards a pop, but he only gets 10 touches. You know, I, I don't know I don't know what this Cowboy team is doing, but I tell you one thing, uh, they're going to be uh, hard-pressed to win anything without Dak Prescott, and Mike McCarthy could be out of a job before the year's over. Uh, I think it's I, – I, I... I thought this was going to be probably the case before Dak got 
injured. You know, I mean, this is, I just don't think the Cowboys are a very talented team now. I mean, they lost so much on their offensive line, the weaponry. They never get, you know, what they never do is they don't give Tony Pollard the ball. You know, I don't yeah. understand that. Like he's yeah. probably one of the most electric players and, Zeke only got it 10 times. Like, if you could split carries with those guys and, you know, get the ball in those guys' hands, like, you know, I think that would be fantastic. But I really just don't think Dallas is a great offense at all. Their defense actually played pretty well in the red zone. I thought they they did well there. But they consistently give up yards. I really don't think – I mean, people were really criticizing Brady. Oh, he looks 45. I mean, I'm not sure I'm watching the same game everybody else is saying, look, they just didn't execute in the red zone. There's no question about that. But I thought they moved the ball fine. Um, they've obviously got to learn how to score. But I'll tell you what, I mean, they might have the best defense in football. Like, I, 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 like it's, it's really, really good, really fast, really dynamic. Akeem Hicks came into that game, and I forgot that they had signed him in the offseason to a one-year deal. Right. I mean, he just dominated up front, him, Vita Vea. That, they kicked their tuckuses up and down the field on the offensive line. So, uh, look, I think the Bucks are going to be totally fine. I don't have any problems with them. I don't have a problem with how they move the ball. And I think the greatest thing for a coach is to win a game and have a lot to improve on. I think that is the greatest thing, especially for a coach that has Tom Brady on his team. Well, and not just Tom Brady. I mean, really the guy that probably was uh, the the big factor on them for offense last week was Leonard Fournette. I mean, you know, he averaged, what, over about six yards a pop every mm-hmm. time he touched the floor. I mean, what a great weapon. he. I mean, look, he had 127 yards, but I don't think – I could be wrong, but I don't know that he had a gain more than in, on any carry of more than maybe 10, 12 yards. You know, he just every time he touches the football, it's positive yardage. And what a great, you know, look, if you got a 45 year old quarterback, having a guy like Leonard Fournette behind him is a beautiful thing. No question. No question. I think Lenny is a criminally, again, criminally underrated running back who is also able to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think people forget how good he is at that. Yeah. So, you know, he's an explosive player, and he's going to continue to be that. But, I think, again, I think the Bucks are going to be fine. So far, to me, they're the best team in the NFC, wow. as far as I'm concerned, really? you know, from what I've seen. Okay. Yeah, no question. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to – I can't look at another team right now in the NFC and say, oh, yeah, that team's better than the Bucks. They're just not. They're just not. So um, I, I am interested right now and. And how the Bucks go forward and what their process is, I think it'll take a, a little bit of time for their offense to catch up to their defense, but they eventually will. I, uh, you know, you and I don't live in the Northeast anymore, but I almost wish I did because I would have loved to have listened to WFAN in New York this weekend after the Giants <laughs> beat the Tennessee Titans because that would have been that would have been entertaining to say the least. Um, but uh, was that the shocker of the week to you? A hundred percent. I mean. Bears was pretty close, but the Giants going to Tennessee and playing a really tough football team. Listen to this. I mean, the Giants were down 13 nothing in that game at halftime. They right. did nothing on offense. Nothing. And this was, this was the donation game of the week because the Tennessee Titans donated this win <laughs> to the New York Giants. Um, the, 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 ridiculousness, I mean, you get one 68-yard run from Saquon, fine, big play, good play, you know, and, you know, that sets up a touchdown. And then the very next drive, you have Sterling Shepard wide open down the field, and he scores a touchdown. And we're like, whoa, all of a sudden, this game is tied. The next 23 minutes in the game, the Giants did nothing on offense. They did nothing. They, They sat there on their hands and said, please, 
God, for the it's like the little giants. It's like, please, Lord, let me score a touchdown. Like it was, it was unbelievable. Like, you're looking at Daniel Jones, just completely, complete. I mean, people said he did a good job. I mean, what are we talking about? He threw what? How many passes? He's like twenty five. Twenty one. I mean, you know, I mean, what are we talking about? Twenty one passes. I mean, this is totally ridiculous. It was a sham. Twenty three minutes they had the football. They did nothing. They even got a muffed punt inside the fifteen yard line, and they still threw an interception. So they didn't get any points out of it. They had twelve they had twelve plays, twelve plays for those twenty three minutes. Give Daniel Jones credit. They went down the field and they scored a touchdown at the end of the game. I'll credit him for that. But overall, I mean, this is the most up-and-down team you could possibly see. And if not for a 47-yard field goal and the ridiculousness of not giving Derrick Henry the ball on third down, I mean, yep. trying to run jet sweeps on third and two and all these stupid things that Frable was doing out there. What are you there. doing, Mike? Yeah. I mean, what are we yeah. doing? Yeah. What are we doing? Yeah. I mean, it's just not good. So Titans with a donation win, I see, you know, I don't see really much improvement from the Giants. They gutted out a win. They were gritty. And that's typically typical Giants teams is what they do when they're good. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I just I have zero faith in Big Zero. The decision not to give Derrick Henry the ball on third down is right up there with the decision to go for what was it, a 65 yard field goal or whatever the hell it was uh, at the end of that game with Seattle. Uh, totally and ridiculous. I mean, what are you oh thinking? Oh, my God. I mean,. I mean, I've, I've, it's overused, but hack job by hack. I mean, just <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, it, it can, can you imagine going into that? You've got a fourth and five. There's 50 seconds left on the clock. You've got three timeouts. I mean, you don't want to talk this over at some point maybe right. and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> maybe we should discuss this. Maybe we should go for a touchdown. I don't know. Like Maybe we should actually go out and be aggressive and try to win this game. And then you come back and you say, okay, 15 seconds. Like, you know, they still have time to get one more play and, yes. and make an easier field goal. No, no, nope. you're going to take the ball out of Russell Wilson's <laughs> hand and you're going to let uh, the, the, the world record holder, uh, you have your kicker become the world record holder of the longest field goal ever made. I mean, what are we talking about? What are we? Are that totally egregious. And then the worst part of it all was that he starts using his last two timeouts on the Quebec, on the, on the Neal. Yeah. And it was so embarrassing. I yeah. mean, you have to be embarrassed. As about Matty, Matty Ice, Matty C, Matt Silver is our co-host, big Broncos fan on the show. Uh, just beside himself this week. You'll hear it right here on Sports Country oh. on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, he is beside himself <laughs> about that whole situation. Well, and you know what? I, if this game was in Denver, maybe I could see taking it because you got the the thin no, air the thin no. air up i'm just no I, but it can't do it you okay can't do it. all right it's, it's egregious even if it was in denver and if it was a if it was a 70 yard field goal and you're like, well, man, i mean what you know he probably would have done it he yeah. probably would have well we're in denver you know i mean yeah, it's like yeah. forget that that is totally insane well let's let's get the, the good part about that how about the quarterback playing this game not too shabby Geno Smith stepping up for for Seattle. That was look, you know, that was unexpected at least to me. What about you? The first half, Geno was the MVP of the league. I yeah, mean, goodness, yeah, he, he was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was unbelievable. I, I was like, where? I, the shades of of 2014. I mean, what are we? I mean, this is unbelievable what he's doing out here. So, you know, he played great. Second half, I mean, Denver just went to man defense and just destroyed them. I right. mean, just destroyed the Seahawks. 
So I mean, uh, you know, give credit to. How about how about the two rookie tackles starting for the first time since 2009? A team starts two rookie offensive tackles: Abraham Lucas on the right side from Washington State, and then the left tackle, uh, the kid that they drafted, uh, Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, was a uh, was the other starter. So amazing job by those two. I know Cross gave up two big sacks at the end of the game to Bradley Chubb. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought they played really, really well. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, and then, you know, after the the Geno Smith uh, performance, uh, your boy Ben Volan from the Boston Globe uh, tweets out that uh, is, is Geno Smith better than Mac Jones? And of course, people are, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, he does that stuff just to just to get the reaction. But uh, old old trolling Volan. Yeah, yep. yeah. Well, let's get to the Patriots' performance last week, and uh, uh, Tua continues to own Bill Belichick four and zero as a starter against the New England Patriots. And look. Tua was pretty good. You got to you got to give him credit. Um, come I on, Dave. You got come I don't on. Think I need to give him credit. Oh, come on. I don't. I don't. I, I thought that he played okay. He wasn't terrible, but you know, to me, I, look, this the offense of Miami just is so. Yes, Tyreek Hill is a problem. They corralled Tyreek Hill. I mean, yeah. it wasn't like he had any big explosive plays. I mean, you know, they got it to him in, in big spots. You know, he had a third down play on a, on a, on a, uh, a catch there that, that was uh, a back shoulder fade. I thought Waddle had a big time catch, um, you know, over the defender. Uh, that, that was huge for him. And then obviously the fourth down play at the end of the half was totally egregious. And, and, and after losing Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers is in there and McCordy's got to guard tight ends. And it was, it was just the Patriots being unprepared. I mean, they were unprepared for this game and that's crazy saying it, but you know, you think about it. I mean, this game by the stats was very even. It was a very even game. The big difference I mean, you turn the ball over three times. One right. of them leads to a touchdown. Right. I mean, that that was a huge issue. I mean, just a huge issue. Obviously, the offensive line was in shambles. I think the things about the the offense in the off season so far have proven to be right. Uh, I mean, it was it was a clown show. What was going on? The first drive was fantastic. Throwing the ball up to to Devontae Parker in the end zone. A really bad non call pi on Xavier Howard, but. What are you going to do? I mean, and the ball gets tipped up in the air. You got to come back from that. You were you were dominating this team up front, you know, running the football and doing the things you wanted to do, and they just could not finish any drives. It was so frustrating. So give give the Dolphins' defense a ton of credit. Sure, they played. They're fast. They're physical. They played really, really good defense. I'm not giving two of that much credit. I'm sorry. <laughs> like they just did not. They just okay. it's it's the same old song and dance. He's a one read, one trick pony. I, as I said before. How concerned are you about Mac Jones's development? Is do you think that a lot of what people are talking about, like putting this new offenses, yada yada, yada is going to make uh, is going to be a regression for Mac Jones this year? How worried are you about that? I'm concerned that the coaches are going to screw it up. I mean, that's no. what I'm concerned about. I, I think that I think that I think that Patricia benching Kendrick Bourne for a month is just a complete clown bag thing to do. I mean, just ridiculous because he comes into the game in the fourth quarter, has a big catch. You, everybody in New England knows Kendrick Bourne is good for the program, yep. that he's good. He's a, he's a good 
you know, good guy, fun, enthusiastic player that can make plays. And yeah, is he, you know, does he need to be coached hard? Sure. But that's what your job is to do. And, and for him to apparently be missing a meeting before a preseason game and still being punished for it. And obviously Robert Kraft not being happy about that at all, you know, is going to throw probably some thunder down on, 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 and I hope that he does because Matt Patricia being ridiculous. And I hope Bill recognizes that, that, Kendrick Bourne is needed in this offense. There's no question about it. Um, so, you know, to me, outside of Jacoby Myers, um, they just don't have any weapons that can get open. I, I think it's a major a major issue. So it's a concern. There's there's no question. The, if the coaches screw it up for Mac Jones, uh, well, we'll be upset. I mean, of, of course. But uh, they need to figure out a way to protect Mac Jones, too. I was just thinking about the fact that Bill has kind of turned a lot of the offensive stuff over to two guys that got fired as head coaches with Patricia and and Judge, uh, and and these are the guys that he's kind of let leading the offensive charge right now. It does 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 give you a little pause, doesn't it? Of course, and you know, as I said before, I do not think the Patriots play well in September. I, I they really don't. They try to figure out their to figure out their offense. Typically, their defense is fine. I mean, they give up 13 points in the game on defense. Right. You know, so. I, I, I don't I don't see a lot of issues there. I wish that they were a little more, you know, aggressive and, and usually they cause more turnovers. It didn't get one in this game, but I do think that it's gonna take some time for their offense to develop. And we'll see. We'll see how good they are this weekend going into a hostile environment in Pittsburgh, um, as a favorite. Uh, you know, we'll see. All right, let's get to this week's picks. You were four and three last week, so let's get to them uh, as we run out of time here. We got uh, we got some interesting games this week. Let's start off with these New England Patriots in what is probably going to be uh, maybe the uh, the defensive battle of the week, perhaps with uh, both offenses struggling a little bit. The Patriots at Pittsburgh. Patriots are a two and a half point favorite on the road. Yeah, you know, I, I think in this game, if if T.J. Watt was playing, I'd have a lot of concern. I really would. I would have a lot of concern about the well-being of Mac Jones, how his back is. Uh, he didn't practice the other day with a stomach illness, so obviously there's some concern there. But, you know, with, with, with him being out, I think it at least alleviates some pressure. This going to be a tough defense, though. This yep. going to be a very, very tough defense. I think whoever wins the turnover battle is, is going to probably win this game, no question about it. So the Patriots are going to have to be opportunistic at times. Um, I do think that they can play with this team. This is a slugfest. It might be nine to three, you know, field goal game <laughs> right. for this one. But I, I, I think the Patriots bounce back in a major way because I think the Steelers got a win that they probably shouldn't have gotten, and now they got to come back and play a really well coached team, at least from the head coach, a really well coached team and prepared team. I hope this week. Right. Um, I still trust in the, in the brass that Belichick is, uh, and I think he goes out and wins in Pittsburgh this weekend. All right, this uh, this next game uh, at Baltimore. Miami is at Baltimore. Baltimore is a three-and-a-half-point favorite uh, at home. Lamar Jackson is back, did not sign a long-term deal with the team. Uh, so he is obviously, I, you know, I don't know that he's playing for a contract. I don't know what the hell he's doing because everybody, anybody would pay this guy, uh, but uh, they couldn't come to an agreement. Uh, but uh, let's see, can Miami keep it going at Baltimore? I, Baltimore's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't think that's enough. You know what? It's crazy. Here's a crazy stat. Did you know the Jets outgained Baltimore last week by 104 yards? They did. No, I didn't. I know mean, that. no, I did not know that. Yes, they did. Wow, they did. I mean, they they, 
they and they only had nine points to show for it. There you go. Joe Flacco was probably the right decision in letting him go. So you know, I think that there's, um, I think that there's some still some things to work with with Baltimore uh, that they need to get better at. Their run defense, the run offense needs to be a lot better. They need a running back. They need Dobbins back on the field right. really bad. Um, Miami is a fast defense, but again, I think this Baltimore defense is going to be much tougher than the Patriots defense. I, I, I do not see it for Miami. I agree with you. I think it's not enough. I think three and a half, um, I would be very inclined to take that. I, I, I like the Ravens, but win probably by 10 or 10 or 12 points here in this game because I do not, I do not trust that Miami offense. I know Mike McDaniel is being lauded and praised this week. Right. I don't know what for. I have no idea what for. We did not talk about uh, the Carolina Panthers game last week, but uh, they are going on the road this week, and Baker Mayfield still looking for his uh, first win uh, with the Panthers. They are at the Giants. The Giants are a one-and-a-half-point favorites. Can the Giants go 2-0? Do you think the Giants should be favored in this game? Not a, not in the least. <laughs> not in the least. I think you just I think you just answered my question. <laughs> Panthers big. Yeah, yeah, my, big. Well, okay, all right. Uh, that was an easy one. All right, how about uh, how about Tampa Bay <laughs> at New Orleans? Tom Brady, a two and a half point favorite at New Orleans. So here's your upset special of the week. I'll take the Saints. I think that yep. this, this one is going to be um, a home game for them. And as we know. Um, this is the spot where Brady has not figured out Dennis Allen's defense. He just hasn't done it. Here is the average talent in the five games, including the playoff game, that Tom Brady has. His average stats against the Saints since he joined the Bucks: 247 yards per game, 1.6 touchdowns to 1.4 interceptions, nearly identical. Wow. Uh, 6.6 yards per attempt, not very good. A pass rating of 76. 76. Wow. I mean, just not very good at all. And on average, he gets sacked about three times a game when they play the Saints. Uh, they, they just cannot figure out so, this this defense. And I think this defense will be much more impressed. Tyron Matthew, I think, is going to be a problem for Brady to also deal with. But interior pressure and that offensive line, it scares me. I, I don't love the Saints offense either. They've got to get Kamara more involved. But I think they, they will win the day at home, playing in a very loud environment, and early in the season when you want to catch the Bucks, I think that they will. I think the Saints win the game. So the Saints are Tom Brady's kryptonite. It's good to know that there is there is some such a thing. Uh, <laughs> interesting game, I, and I again, uh, I don't understand this line. I don't. Uh, San Francisco is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home against the Seattle Seahawks. How? Please explain that to me. Well, um, I, I think that a lot of that is going to be baked into the idea that people liked San Francisco before the season and they didn't like Seattle after the season, and Seattle really got shut down in that second half. I think there's a chance that San Francisco not only wins this game, I think there's a good chance they cover this game. Uh, I, no, I, I think no that chance. this is a classic bounce. I think there's a classic bounce back spot. We are buying very, very high on the Seahawks, and we're we're selling low on the 49ers, and I think that this is a good spot. The only thing that gives me pause. We have more rain in the forecast for the 49ers coming into Santa Clara, California on Sunday. That gives me a lot of pause. So I am a little nervous about that, but I do like San Francisco, and I kind of like them with the points for wow. a while. Wow, I don't see it, but okay. That's why you. That's why you get the big bucks, buddy. 
Um, <laughs> two teams that uh, disappointed in the first week. I, the Cardinals were very disappointing. They go to Las Vegas. Vegas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. You know, I think this is a great spot for the Raiders. I think they lost in, in week one, um, didn't play very well. I thought Carr did not play up to, up to par. And, and, look, I think the Cardinals are a complete mess defensively. I mean, they are – I don't know who they got playing back there. I mean, right. Buda Baker, outside of him, they really have nobody defensively that scares you. So I think the Raiders are going to put way too much pressure deep on them. I think the Raiders win this one going away. Huh. I love the Raiders in this spot. Waller is just unbelievable how open he can get. And obviously Devontae Adams proved why he is probably the best receiver in football. So um, I think the Raiders put up a much better offensive performance and McDaniels has them ready to go. Most interesting game of the week to me is the second Monday night football game, the Minnesota Vikings at the Eagles. Eagles are a one and a half point favorite. So we're going to find out very quickly, I think, how good this Viking team is. Yeah, we are, because if you think about it, I mean, the Vikings really prepared for the Packers all offseason, right? Right. I mean, the Packers, you know, they, they know what they're getting from the Packers, and they prepared for a home game. And now you've got to flip the script real quick. Everybody's buying into you, and now you've got to play an Eagle team that is completely different to game plan for. I mean, just like I said, the Eagles' offense is similar to a college offense. I mean, it really is. You're dealing with a running quarterback. I mean, Hurts had 90 yards in the win against Detroit the other day. That The Eagles' defense needs to play a lot better. There's no question yep. about it. I think they gave up way too many rushing yards against the Lions. But now they're at home. Home opener, Monday night. I do think that the Eagles, at the end of the day, are going to figure out a way to win, win this football game. We're going to see how good the Vikings are. There's no question. I think it'll be even. But, again, Kirk Cousins in prime time, I'll believe it when yeah. I see it. Go Birds. <laughs> well, this is something, I'll tell you what, Dan Zampano taking a lot of favorites this week. You're not, not, as, not, not as many upset specials. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, we'll see well, how we'll nerve wracking. <laughs> well, we'll see how it works out, Dan. Let's hope. Let's hope week two of the NFL is exciting as week one was because uh, uh, my my uh, I had tendonitis in my thumb from t- switching channels all day because there was it was hard to stay on one. It was hard to stay on one game last week. It really was. It it, it certainly was, but I'll tell you something. Um, I don't think any show in America did better than our podcast this week. A five and a week from us on, from me on the Sunday card, a four and one week for Matty Ice wow. on the Sunday card. Plus, we actually ended up hitting some of our specials. We missed uh, he missed his money line parlay. We had Pittsburgh and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We missed it by a Carson Wentz. So it was it was a little bit frustrating with that one. But uh, but I think this week we're going to stay on a roll this week. I, we, we're really doing well. I hope you all get a chance not just to listen to this show because this show is the best show out there, but the second best show, Sunday Card. <laughs> um, I hope you get a chance to listen to it and because we're, we, we're, on, we're on fire. I mean, we are just on fire. And I say that with all humility and strength, but we might be the best. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> happy birthday, Mr. Zampano. Had a birthday a couple of days ago, so uh, happy birthday. What a week, Gene. Let me tell you something for the birthday – Got myself my first tattoo. I didn't even plan on it. No, come on. It, but I did get myself inked up. So I, I, I will send you a picture after the show. It's unbelievable. Oh, my but goodness. I, I was able to do it. It, so was, it, was, a, it was a heck of a day, a heck of a week. It Was it a Patriots tattoo? You know what? I think that'll be my second one. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the games this week. We'll talk to you next week, Dan. 
Have a great week, Gene. Dan Zapano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back next week with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Don't forget you can listen to Dan uh, on the Sunday card. It will be on Saturday morning at 11 o'clock, 3 and 5 in the afternoon, and then again on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. just prior to the start of Week 2's games. Uh, We're going to leave you this morning with some music uh, from Darren and Brooke Aldrich. It's called The Grand Old Circle. We'll see you on Monday. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.